Hi, I'm Jules Hamilton, and this is the Good Summer Podcast, Keeping It Good. It's a chance for all of us to hear stories of people making a positive change in the world. The Good Summit is a space of gathering to celebrate common good in the world and to cultivate more of it. Join the Tribe of Good by signing up to our mailing list at thegoodsummit.com and learn where our latest gatherings are taking place, who is going to be there, and how you can get involved. Help us help you make the world a better place. Liz Maguire is one of those people you can't help but like. She came to Dublin to study and fell in love with the city and the people, to the extent that she now lives in Dublin where she works in marketing and communications. With an inbuilt sense of hope in the possible, Liz has recently developed a project that connects people to the written word through letters. Her social enterprise, Flea Market Love Letters, is an incredible project that aims to learn from and be inspired by the past through letters that people wrote to each other. In taking on such a project, Liz is helping humans to connect with themselves as well as with the past. Hers is a project of storytelling, history learning, social sharing and community connection over the years. And we are delighted that she's joining us to chat about it. I am so massively excited to be sitting and talking to old friend Liz McGuire. Lizzie, it is so lovely to see you. Welcome to the Good Summer Podcast, Keeping It Good. Jules, it's excellent to be here. And it's, you know, sitting here, we're in our, our respective rooms and we're we're socially distanced and recording virtually and all that. And I'm just remembering all the wonderful coffees and et cetera we've had around, you know, Dublin and, and the, the beautiful spots in Trinity where we've been able to sit and brainstorm and just, you know, plot the goodness of the world. <laughs> I know, I know. And you have, and this is the reason we've got you onto the podcast. You have this incredible energy for life that is infectious. Uh, and so whenever I heard about your project, I deliberately didn't want to read too much about it. I wanted to talk to you about it. I, I wanted to, to kind of, I wanted, I wanted to experience Lizzie telling me about it, uh, which is, <laughs> which, you know, and has, has happened over gin before and it's happened in those coffees and in Trinity College. Uh, this time, where are you sitting? I can see that you're in your home. What part of Ireland are you living in at the minute? I live uh, just outside of Dublin. So I live in a lovely suburb called Rathfarnham. Um, and I used to live near there. You, you, oh, well, it's, it's, if you know anything about Rathfarnham Castle, that's my usual stomping ground. Lovely. Uh, yeah, I get to, I get to enjoy a jaunt around there every morning. But, um, I, you know, before COVID, I moved to Dublin. But because of COVID, it turns out I moved to Rathfarnham. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Lizzie, you were uh, one of the standout students here uh, with a lot of life about you, a lot of energies I've talked about. Uh, you, you you liked us so much after being here as part of your undergrad that you came back and did a master's. Uh, and then you liked it, Ireland so much that you got your fella to come and live here as well. Uh, and so we, we got Americans living abroad. Uh, you're, you're working in marketing, I understand, but that's am, yeah. not what you're here to talk about today. Um, so you, this is your passion. This project that we want to talk about is the thing that's encapsulated you and captivated you over the last while. Is that right and fair? Yeah. Yeah. Since about 2017, this year we're having our fourth birthday. <laughs> wow. Okay. Tell us about it. 
tell the good summer about well i'll let you say the title well so it's called flea market love letters um and it is my online digital archive of vintage love letters so uh the project started in 2017 and as of you know the spring of 2021 we're looking at over 300 letters vintage letters that have been archived um, wow in the last several years yeah so you have built a digital archive of love over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Liz, that's all, amazing. all kinds of love too. Husbands and wives, mothers and sons. It's it's it love is very the flea market love letters part is very general, which I think is kind of the beauty of the project. It isn't just romance between partners, it's sort of love generally. How on earth, take, take us back to the start, take us back to how on earth you came up with this sort of idea and decided to do something about it. Yeah. So I was in high school um, and my mom, who actually is the one that I would credit, you know, most of my positive, optimistic side with, we were at a flea market and she gave me 20 US dollars to kind of leave her alone so she could go look at her own thing. And I spent <laughs> it in about two minutes. You know, you, you, I bought the first thing on the first table that I saw. So I was walking around and I saw this box of um, old letters and it said, you know, $5 on it. And I had no, I spent my $20. So I went over to her and I begged and borrowed for more money. And she said, okay, well, let me see what it is that you want. She came over and she saw it. And I've always been bookish and things like that. So she mm-hmm. thought, you know, this will be great. A summer project she can kind of just mess around with this box of old paper and, and we'll be good to go. And I did, you know, for, for that summer, I had fun putting all the letters in order and reading them and sort of starting to type them out. And then life got in the way and I what, went to college. What, what, what age were you when you started that, Liz? You said high school. How old were you walking around that market? Oh, I was probably 15 or 16, wow. if I think about it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's that was cool. the first collection, yeah. So yeah, life life got in the way. So you you walk around the market, you saw this box of letters, you made your mom buy them, uh, and and you and 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 so you. What happened in those early days? Whenever you started to flick through a box of like like how old did those letters go to? That first box that you bought. Yeah. How, so how far back? That's the first collection, um, and they're kind of called the Raymond and Marie letters. They're from a highway patrolman in the 1920s to his much younger girlfriend, Marie. Um, And, you know, the thing when you're dealing with vintage letters or you're dealing with people's personal papers, you always have to approach it from a very respectful standpoint. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about flea market and when I talk about the letters that are there, I always like to explain that, you know, these are stories that we're talking about, but they're also very real people. So while I, while I may be saying, you know, he's a highway patrolman to his young girlfriend who doesn't really seem as interested in him as he maybe wants her to be. um, You know, they are real people in the end. So I just always kind of like to explain that it is an archive built around real stories. and, And those first stories are from the 1920s. And uh, do you know what's amazing? Uh, whenever you said highway patrolman, in my mind, I heard highway robber. <laughs> so I, I heard highwayman. 
So you're saying, so, 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 yeah, yeah, like, wow, it's amazing where our minds go to so quickly, really, isn't it? That's like, that's incredible. So I, I, for the first like 10 seconds there, I was like, wow, you've got letters from a highway robber uh, to his young girlfriend. Wow. And I was like, oh, oh, hang on. No, this, this man's the law. So, <laughs> so was that about trying to woo somebody? But, you know, were they in a relationship in the 1920s or? Yeah. So the letters are um, basically the foundation of the Pennsylvania state highway system in the States. Um, And he goes off and he's one of the first sort of trainees that's experiencing what it is to learn how to be a highway patrolman, because this is a new system. You think you go along your whole life, you think about, you know, you're always used to the, the guards and things like that. But it, there was a time where it was new and they were figuring out what they were doing. And so these letters are an incredible archive for that because they read as if he's in a military environment because he's in barracks and there's training and he's learning different, you know, how to fix different machines and things like that. But it really is, uh, he's just learning how to kind of you know, police the the roads to to make them safer for ultimately what would be sort of a predecessor to the U.S. police force now. Wow, did did love win? Did he uh, did he did he capture her with his his heart on his sleeve, or was his heart on his sleeve? Oh, he's he's uh, the reason I call them the Raymond and Marie letters is because every letter begins with "Dearest Marie, Marie, my love, Marie, my darling, dear Marie," um, and you know, because letters are such a strange thing to collect, you often don't get the other side of things. So yeah. you spend a lot of time with one voice in your head. Yeah. And because you're reading it, it becomes very sort of, you become very inclined to identify with that voice. And so you sort of read a letter and it might say, you know, that letter that I got from you the other day was very short and I'm sorry if I did something to upset you. And, and you're sort of going through it and you're like, this letter is 80 years old, but you're very much like, <gasps> but this bloke felt like, yeah, yeah. Years ago. Yeah. So we don't, uh, I did, I haven't done the genealogy on that series. I don't do full genealogy because genealogy is a mastery in an industry of its own. Um, but I do, one of the purposes of the archive is to make, letter series like that available for genealogists. So mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know how that ends up. I know that he goes back to the town where they're both from at the end of the letters in the 1923, 1924, but I don't know if they got married or anything like that because I, I tend to stick with the letters for the time I have them. What about um, what about collections where you have both ways? Do you have collections on your site that are um, you, you can see the the back and forth, and you can see the love grow bit between what you know. And, and I sp- you did say that there's more than romantic letters here, and we'll we'll talk about those in a, in a little while. But what about romantically? That you know, what's it like reading both sides of a romance? It's it's really sort. It gives you sort of the the, the idea that you know we're in 2021, but really 70, 80, 90 years ago, people were still nervous and they were still, you know, flirting was still awkward and they weren't really sure what they were doing. You, you just, you think of the past being so far away. And when you're reading these letters that are as they could be as if a text that you get from someone of kind of being like, you know, 
I'm sorry if that came off weird. Um, I'm just really tired, but you know, it's 1918 instead of 2018. And it, they have to wait two or three days before the letters can get there rather than, you know, you might send a text or an email and go, oh, I was a bit weird in that. I should apologize. These guys had, you know, they wrote a letter, they sent it, and then maybe they spent two days going, oh, she's going to think that was really weird. I should say that was really weird, right? That was weird. <laughs> You're describing my childhood. <laughs> I I did this. Do you know what? Probably in some box somewhere uh, are some of the letters from me as like a 11, 12, 13, 14 year old. But when, you know, you, you can't imagine, Lizzie, what it was like before we could text. <laughs> you know, I actually grew up in a world where phones were, you know, like attached to a wall. Uh, and... Uh, that that whole sense of communicating in that sort of way, that, that that was my early teenage years. And so this conversation, what you're doing now is you're taking me back and making me shudder at some <laughs> at some, because I, I do I, re, I remember writing letters to a couple of girls of fancy, little 13-year-old me, 14-year-old me, and like then and usually at that stage, oh my goodness, usually it was like I knew somebody that she was in school with because it might have been a different school. So I would have sent a note through the friend and then, and then I would be like going to see the friend. I was like, did, did she give you something back? Did she give you something back? Is there, have you got a note back? Have you got a note back? And they'd be like, no, maybe tomorrow. And I'd be like, oh, like it is. It's, it's, it's an incredible thing. I like the way that we can communicate now is, yeah. is so different to that sense of having to wait for an answer. And do you know what? I'm I'm not sure that's not an altogether bad thing. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure that there's something really positive in putting something out there and then waiting for a response and then having to sit with it. Uh, and you know, and kind of look at your actions in in that way. It's, yeah. can, what what do you think about that and about some of the things that you're saying in your letters from that perspective? Yeah, I think, um, you know, instant communication is been such, has been such a balm during the last year of isolation. Um, being yeah. kind of send off that text or, you know, do a quick video call when you're feeling a little bit like peaky about something has been, you know, we wouldn't have been able to to survive what we have if we didn't have that kind of communication. But with regards to the letters, I mean, and I think of this primarily from, you know, a war standpoint, because most of the letters I have are written around wartime. These are young men and boys who went away from home, oftentimes, and these are U.S. letters, oftentimes had never even thought that they would leave their small town of New Jersey or New Mexico or wherever they were. And suddenly they're on a steamership on their way to France. And they don't have the vocabulary to kind of process that quickly. So a letter is something where they can sit there and they can, you can see as the letters come across them accepting kind of, oh, this is a very different world. Wow. And I think that we kind of lose that in instant communication because especially I know with Twitter and with Instagram and all that kind of stuff, your thoughts can go so quickly from, oh, that's a witty sentence or that's a clever idea. And you put that out. Whereas, you know, these guys had 
days aboard ships before their letters would be posted home. So they might write one letter and then another and then another. And by that third or fourth letter, they're kind of in a different place than they were. It's, it's a sort of diary, really. Yeah. It's like those little dots, such and such is typing. And then it yeah. stops. And, and then they're, they're it's like, no, 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 no. Head send. What are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> it, 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 it's like you're, you're, you're bringing, it's incredible. You're bringing a different world to teenagers now. And I don't know who, who kind of reads flea market love letters. I don't know the sort of audience you've got, but if, if you're, if you have teenagers reading some of the letters on the website, they are, they're inhabiting a different world than the world that they have known, you know, the world of instant communication is actually instant gratification through communication, uh, where we, you know, where five minutes for a response is a, is a death sentence. <laughs> and, and, and yet, and yet you are, you are bringing back a little bit of the beauty of what it means to, to communicate with another human being. Uh, yeah. like that's fantastic. Do, do you have some favorite letters? Of course you do. Yeah, of course you do. I'm like, yeah, but t- tell us about them. Um, uh, you know, I, I won't say they're all my favorites, but <laughs> I was doing, um, or the series that I'm currently sharing is, you know, 120, 140 letters long. And I work on the projects, weekends, evenings, all that kind of stuff. So last night, you know, I finished work. I went downstairs. I pulled out a binder of letters from 1943, as you're apt to do. Wow. I have a bit of time. I'll work on these. Um, And so I was working on them last night and they are to an American GI. And it's an incredible collection because he seems to have had about 50 girlfriends because every single letter... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> every single letter is like building off of the last, but it's from a different girlfriend. So the letter last night was from a woman named Edith who was annoyed that she went to see off one of his buddies. His name is Ralph. She went to see off their buddy, Harry. And when she got to the bus depot, Harry, of course, is going to join the Navy for World War II. So she's mm-hmm. just like, went to see Harry off. Ralph's mom was there, but she was cold to me this is edith writing this in a letter in 1943 to the guy yeah. to wow. Wow. Saying, your mom was cold to me so i got home and i rang vicky who i don't know if she knows ralph is also a pen pal of because then there's this whole thing also involving a woman named jenny that jenny may have said that when ralph was going with edith he was drinking too much and wearing his zoot suits, which his mom didn't let, and like all of this was happening. And it's like a 10 page wow. from June of 1943. And at the end, she goes like, listen, don't tell your mom any of this because the whole point of the letter is that the mom was kind of like, you know, a bit standoffish and the girl yeah. was trying to figure out why. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, this is This is gold. Like this is like this is human nature gold. This is this is like real life human beings, and uh, that's a gorgeous example of. She said this, and he said this, and your mom was there. And oh my goodness! But then uh, I went to do this for him. But then you, you know, you need to know this. That's that's like that's like a Twitter dialogue, uh, in, in some sort of way, you know, it's everything now is so quick and, and instant gratification to this stuff. But, uh, what are you learning about human nature 
um, I, I suppose about, yeah, well, yeah. What are you learning through doing this, Liz? People don't always mean what they think they mean. So wow. they, they'll, particularly from the war letters, um, knowing the level of censorship and sort of scrutiny that the letters would have gone from the front back home. Um, you know, obviously the guys couldn't say, I saw my best friend die today, but he can say like, it's been a tough few weeks. And when mm. you, when you spend time reading and holding a piece of paper that's written in that person's handwriting and you can really just get into a place with it, you realize that it's been a tough few weeks is not what they're meaning to say, what they're, what they're putting behind that with the energy and then maybe with a follow-up sentence of, I do sure miss you and dad, because maybe it's a letter to mom and dad. It, you know, it gives you goosebumps because you're, you're looking at this and you're thinking, you know, you asked earlier, the readers of the project, reader, reader age spans. It could be, I have some high schoolers, college students. I have some grandparents. I have some, you know, middle-aged and, and millennial. And I have, I have a little bit of everybody who kind of reads and gets in touch. But the, the unifying fact is that most of people, most people can read these letters and see something in them. and see that, you know, maybe what we always, maybe what we say isn't what we always mean. And that there's, there's a lot behind our word choice and our our, uh, sort of how we present what we put in a letter. This podcast is proudly supported by the amazing folks at Thought Collective, a team of designers and developers who create brands and digital products to captivate the crowd and communicate effectively. They make the Good Summit look great. Check them out at www.thoughtcollective.com. And where does that take you then, Liz? Where, where does that kind of recognition of, it's almost, you're almost talking about taking a mask and putting a mask on a page. Uh, you know, so, so we talk a lot these days about the masks of social media and about social yeah. communication, about how people can create the person that they want to be behind a screen. Um, but you're actually saying that you're reading this happening, you know, from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, yeah. even like that people actually can't really share who they are or what they're going through. Is, how does that make you feel? How did, how did that discovery, how did that hit your soul? I think part of what I've always resisted about myself and which I really kind of got told a lot during the beginning stages of the pandemic was that I'm a fairly empathetic person. I was always just sort of like, I assumed that everybody understood this about people. Mm-hmm. And then I was, I was chatting to a friend once and they were like, you know, you, you just you get it differently. And I was always like, oh, ha. but in, in working with the letters, it's definitely honed my sense of empathy and my sense of how I relate that to now. So, you know, I might get, I have a different way of responding because of working with the letters. I might get that text that's a little bit snippy and I don't immediately think, oh, well, <laughs> sorry for bothering you. I might go, "Wow, it could be around this time or, you know, I just saw that they they posted. That's a big thing. We say they posted, or I saw that they were doing this. It, it, it influences you in different ways. So working with the letters 
breeds a sense of empathy, whether you're physically handling the letters or you're reading the transcriptions of the letters. Uh That's why the project matters is it reminds you that as much as a guy in 1943 is real as, you know, your next door neighbor who you might think, oh, he looks like a grumpy old, but then you might stop and say good morning to him one day. And it's a completely different thing. So it just, it, it bridges a lot of people, I think. Wow. Wow. Engaging in the real life of other people has deepened and expanded your sense of empathy. 100%. And I, wow. I, mean, I said this, I think I said this earlier, but I don't make any profit off of the project. I actually spend more than is probably advisable <laughs> collecting no, no, old no. mail. Well, well, you didn't say that, but apart from that, uh, we are repetitive learners here on Keeping It Good. So please feel free to repeat. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, tell, tell us that again. Yeah, so I um, I was very sure when I started this project that because these are other people's letters and other people's stories, I didn't ever want it to be a business. Mm-hmm. So Write More Letters is the fundraiser I started in 2020 for U.S. veterans, but no part of that ever comes back to me. So when I was working on the project, I kind of always had this idea I wanted to do something with charity. But, you know, I'm one person who's working on the admin, the collecting, the transcribing, the social media, the marketing, the whole thing. And um, I was actually, it was, it was one of those people who was saying, you know, hone your sense of empathy and, and admit that you're an empath or that you have empathetic tendencies, who was like, you know, you could really do good with this more than you are. And I was like, yeah, I have this idea to do a charity. And they were like, just do it. So about Mm -hmm. three days Mm -hmm. in September of 2020, I put in full days after work. So it was like, I would finish work. I'd go downstairs, I'd make another cup of coffee and I would put in an eight hour day organizing this, finding the charity, designing the logo, sourcing it, getting, you know, getting it all ready to go. And we've raised about $2,000 since then. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't, I don't make any money off of the project and I use the project as a, as a tool for charity. So, so tell us about the charity. What does the charity do? What, what is the goal of the charity and what has it achieved? Yeah. So Hope for the Warriors is the charity that Write More Letters benefits. And through the purchase of masks, mugs, shirts, totes, all with the little saying, Write More Letters on it. Um, the proceeds to that are donated to Hope for the Warriors, which is a charity for U.S. veterans and military families. So they work on wish fulfillment. They work on, um, you know, maybe when a veteran leaves the military service, he or she might have never had a job. They might have gone right into the military from being 18 years old. And, you know, they've aged out at this point and they need help. So Hope for the Warriors is a great place for practice interviews, for job placements, for, you know, just supporting the mental health and the physical health and the emotional well-being of the U.S. Armed Forces. And I'm delighted that flea market can, can you know, even if it's 10 or $15, anything to go towards it, I'm happy to, happy to send on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And Write More Letters is the charity. Mm-hmm. Are you having people write more letters? <laughs> are you so encouraging people to, to kind of to take to take a, diff, a slightly different tack than the the you know 140 uh, word or, or letter tweet you know are, yeah. are you are you wanting people to to connect in in i want to say old style ways but i'm not sure whether it is old style i'm it might just be healthy ways yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's a that's a great question because 
I wonder if any of this, you know, you, you can't go down the paths of what if, but if the pandemic hadn't happened, I don't know if write more letters would have come about or things like that because because the pandemic happened in the summer of 2020, there was a group that organized on Twitter called Penpalooza. And it's started by a woman who writes for The New Yorker. And she basically set up a pen pal matching program. And I'm a huge letter nerd, obviously. So I got very involved with this. I have a ton of pen pals. I've got, you know, letters coming every day. But I was writing letters at the same time that I was thinking about how can flea market love letters help more people. And so I knew there were people who were into writing letters. So this write more letters idea came about because I knew it was something that people who want to advocate for letter writing would get a mug. They would get a shirt. They would get stickers because Mm -hmm. of how special Mm -hmm. letter writing Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. So without the pandemic, I don't know if letter writing would have seen the resurgence that it has. And maybe, you know, in a couple months, things will fizzle out as vaccines become more accessible and travel opens up again. But the last year to, you know, maybe six, 16 months or so are really going to, there's a huge archive of letters. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to have contributed and to have encouraged it. <laughs> Fantastic. You, hearing that, um, it's actually making me feel guilty, Lizzie. Um, Why? Do you know what? It's, I, I find receiving real letters uh, one of the most beautiful things. And every, and every time uh, I say to myself, I need to send more letters. Yeah. And I don't. Uh, it's very it's, natural, though, Jules. That's it's, very natural. I really want to, though. And, have, you know, even this conversation, like I'm, I'm, I've arrived into my office and, you know, I've, I've, it's used at the minute, it's usually maybe something I've done on TV. So like RTE, I, I, I would do a lot of the Sunday services. Well, well, maybe one a year. But um, after those services, yeah, I get, I get some emails from friends or, you know, mm-hmm. some some people kind of, you know, will tweet or something and say, yeah, sign TV, yeah, that was great. But you know what? Every time now, there's always a letter or two that comes to Trinity College where somebody has just bothered uh, to put my name on Trinity College on an envelope. And and it's older people. And it it moves me so much to have somebody in their 60s, 70s, 80s take the time and energy to just put pen to paper to say, thank you, I appreciated that because of this. Don't stop what you're doing. And you know what? the difference between an email saying that, which is also deeply meaningful, um, and a physical card or piece of paper in your hand saying that, it's actually remarkable that yeah. the, the physical difference to have something real and tangible in your hand uh, that you know somebody has put time and effort into. Uh, it, uh, and every time I say, I got to start writing more letters. <laughs> and, I, and I don't. What stops us, Liz? What stops us? Yeah, there's a great organization um, out of the UK called Letters Connect. And I was just chatting to one of the co-founders of it, a woman named Alison Hitchcock, who is doing letter writing workshops. And she does them once a month and the proceeds of them benefit her charity, which is called From Me to You, which is Letters to Cancer Patients. And the letter writing workshops are designed to get people like yourself who are kind of, you know, like 
I could never take an hour to sit down and do that. That would be luxurious, you know, to just sit down and be able to take the, I would love to do that, but it's just, you know, I don't have the, at this point, at this stage, you know, you've booked in for two hours with Allison and, you know, she starts the chat or whatever it is. And she'll say, thanks everyone for coming. And, you know, today's prompt is spring. And you can write in your diary or you can write a letter to someone or, you know, you could write for her charity for me to you. You can write a letter to one of the patients that they have, but it's this designated space. And I think that's what a lot of people who don't write letters or or who would like to get back into letter writing at all need to make for themselves. The, The space and the time to send a few pages and it doesn't need to be 50 pages. It can be, you know, I sent, I sent three letters this morning that I've been waiting to send because I kept thinking I must sit down and do this. I must sit down and do those. This morning I woke up and I said, you just to do them. So I wrote three letters, a sheet of paper in each one. And I said, it's a Tuesday, you know, today we're doing this Tuesday morning. I said, I'm having my tea in bed. I'm going to drop these on the way to the park. Have a wonderful day. You know, hope you're well, boom, and put those into the post. And so it's just a process of, of, of building the time for yourself. But yeah, the letter writing workshops are kind of the easiest way to break the structure um, and to break into to writing letters again. And and you just had to do it. You just had to discipline yourself there. You were like, do you know what? I said I'm going to do this. I'm just going to actually do it. Um, I, I think you'll get a kick out of this. Yesterday I was um, I was on my walk and this this guy cut me off, right? And I was just kind of like very, I was very like, it's a park path, sir. Like we can cross (laughs) at a different angle. Write him a letter. (laughs) (laughs) So this morning I wrote my letters and I went, I had to go and get milk and all this stuff. And I did my loop and I dropped my letters. I was feeling all kind of like, okay, well that's done now. And it's, you know, 8am going back to the house. And didn't he come up the path at me? (sighs) And I, I had said to myself yesterday, I was like, now you can, you can go, you can rise above or you can be petty about this. And I was like, I wonder what you'll do, you know, being in the same neighborhood. I was like, I wonder what you'll do. And I was just in such a good mood for mailing my letters and going out for my walk that I just went, good morning. And I kept going. Brilliant. <laughs> and I, Brilliant. I was just like, that's the power of, you know, I woke up this morning, I wrote a few letters, I got fresh air and this grumpy guy yesterday, you know, really, he could have turned me around, but this morning I was just like, good morning. <laughs> I kept going. <laughs> I love it, Lizzie. I love it. That's, that's great. Um, there's something there about you taking ownership of the thing that you want to do and the thing you want to be. And in completing that, you're ready for the world. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's just... It's good to be good, Jules. (laughs) It's good to be good. Lizzie, thank you so much. Our time has almost gone. Um, I I, I wanted to come back to uh, the letters that aren't romantic letters. Can can we talk about that just kind of before we finish? Tell me about some of the the things that you've learned about uh, friendship, about family. uh, uh, You know, what what are some of the things that you've seen in, in... or what has stood out to you uh, uh, in letters that, that weren't the classic love letters, for example? Well, well, no, you said they were love letters, you know, because, <laughs> yeah, let, letters can still be letters of love, if, even they're not romantic. Yeah. Um, so I would say kind of the example that's coming to mind is, again, maybe it's because it's the series I'm working on, but it's a um, father writing to the, the G.I. Ralph. And um, he his his paper is massive compared to the little stationary sets you would see that were popular in the forties. 
And his penmanship is just beautiful because you can tell this, the father's name is Victor. You can tell Victor has sat down and has written this letter to his son. And it is like I was saying, you know, the designated time, the space for it. And in one of these letters, he, you just get a feel for their relationship as a father and son, because he's saying, you know, I don't know how you find so much time to write all these letters. This is taking me ages, but I want to make sure that you know I'm thinking of you and wow. all this kind of thing. So the the kind of the intimacy that the letters provide is really refreshing, I think, because a lot of people with the age of social media, you know, there's posts for Mother's Day, Father's Day, birthdays, anniversaries, all that kind of wonderful stuff. But the the genuine connection between a parent and a child or a sibling and a sibling and a friend to a friend that you get with a handwritten letter is just, you, you can't, you can't ever replicate it. And it's, it's a gem. Liz McGuire, if everybody listening to this podcast uh, <laughs> takes time today. So yes, we're talking to you podcast listeners. If everybody listening takes time, um, half an hour, 20 minutes, a, a postcard, one side of it, you know, it doesn't need to take more than five minutes, three minutes. Maybe you could even do it in two. Uh, but if everybody takes a little bit of time and writes a letter to somebody about something, and let's make it a positive letter, mm-hmm. you know, goodness produces goodness. So let's not have a letter of complaint to the TV licensing people or yeah. to, you know, let's, you know, the people who always kind of, you know, the tax people. Let's not write letters of complaint to the tax people. If everybody, if everybody takes a moment to write something positive, postcard, letter, what, what do you think would happen? Oh, I think total revolution. I think, really? you know, you, you were saying the feeling of getting a letter in the door. Getting a letter in the door or a postcard that is just a simple hello i remembered you it, it it changes the whole way that you look at something there's um allison from the letters connect charity she was telling me that there's one woman who writes to cancer patients um she's in her 80s and she's one of their most prolific writers for the charity and she just describes what's out her window so she writes letters the way the charity works the letters go to someone and there's no reciprocation So it's just sort of, you know, a patient might receive a letter to read during chemo or to read when they get home or something like that. But it's just a well wishes letter in essence. But this one woman has for years been writing and she just always writes what's out her window. So in the spring, it's flowers blooming and in the winter, it's leaves falling and it's it's nothing pretentious. It's no big poetry. It's just what's out her window. So I think if everybody took a moment to send what's out their window today. We would, we would see totally different worlds. Send what's out your window today. That is, yeah. that is beautiful. You took me right back again to my own student summers where I spent them working in the great state of Michigan. Uh, oh, I, I, uh, I was working in a, in a woods camp up in the north, just below the UP. And oh my goodness, it's so long ago that once again, phones were things that were tied to walls. And uh, they had a dial in them and you actually turned your finger to, 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 to put in a number and so forth. 
Um, the dinosaurs were just walking in the field. They were, they were just outside. They were just outside. Uh, the old Stegosaurus limping past. Uh, but it's incredible. I remember those days and, you know, the mail used to come anytime between 11 and, and 12. And campers would get mail and other staff would get mail. And, and one of the staff would have to drive all the way along the forest to, to, the, to where the mailbox was. And maybe then at lunchtime, uh, the staff member who had gone to get the mail from the, from the end of the road would, would arrive in and, it, and would go around with a few letters and give them out to campers and staff who were there. And the days that there was that little blue airmail envelope uh, that yeah. somebody put uh, down in front of me actually is almost choking me up to remember those yeah. moments, actually. To not feel forgotten, to be far away, to know that somebody has taken the time uh, to do that is, is completely beautiful. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for inspiring us to do that uh, again today. Um, you're going to keep going with this project, yes? Yeah, we're four years old this July. Um, I already have my eye on a lovely, glossy four balloon from Mr. Price. I've got it right on the shelf. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, what, what give us the, the website address again for people to go and look it up? Oh, of course. Um, I'm notoriously bad at doing this. I'm in marketing, but I never remember uh, to actually tell people where to find me. It's um, fleamarketloveletters.com. So it's F-L-E-A-M-A-R-K-E-T-L-O-V-E-L-E-T-T-E-R-S.com. Fleamarketloveletters.com. Uh, peace to you, sister, as you continue to bring a little revolution to the world by inviting us to keep connected. Uh, oh, what, what a vital, what a vital piece of work you're doing. Don't dare stop. <laughs> the same to you, Jules. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Liz. See you soon. This has been the Good Summit Podcast. Brought to you in conjunction with Forfi. It was produced by Lee McMahon with Eva McNulty for the Good Summit. Music was provided by the fabulous Ian Archer. Stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Good Summit and find out all you need to know on www.thegoodsummit.com and come back and join us again next time. Till then, go forth, do some good. Peace to you and to the world.